This is a previously recorded episode. You're listening to the Innovates podcast featuring speaker and innovation expert Michael Mode. We bring you innovation on the 8s with new episodes posted every day that ends in 8, the 8th, 18th, and 28th of the month. The Innovates podcast is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. For more information about Michael Mode and his corporate speaking and consulting services, please visit Innovates.com. That's I-N-N-O-V-E-I-G-H-T-S.com or BigLightBulb.com. And now, get ready for another creative conversation with your host, Michael Mode. This is Michael Mode, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Innovates podcast. This is the first episode, and uh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be an uh, experiment. It's going to be a work in progress, and we're going to be speaking about innovation, different techniques, how you can add innovation to your own life to uh, solve challenges, solve problems. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, with an in-studio guest a little bit later on, John Pullum. He's in the audience here, or in the uh, studio, rather. You can say hi, John. Hi. How are you doing? How are you doing? Good. Good. <laughs> Thanks for coming out here. And uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with me, my name is Michael Mode. I'm a uh, speaker and uh, innovation consultant. My background is uh, ma- magic. I've been a magician most of my life, and uh, I became known as kind of an idea guy in the business later on. Did a lot of corporate work and uh, worked for several magicians coming up with ideas and marketed my own magic tricks. And then uh, got to work with one of my childhood idols, David uh, Copperfield, one of my heroes from uh, when I was a kid. Worked in his creative group called Magic Lab. And uh, during college, I worked at Walt Disney World and became a trainer down there and did some work there. And then when I came back, a lot of my clients were asking me, could you talk to our uh, our employees and tell us uh, some of the techniques that you do? So uh, that's what I do now. About a dozen years ago, I transitioned over to doing more speaking. And uh, I work with companies, and I teach them how to think like a magician. And I do that so they can solve challenges that they feel are impossible. And a lot of times in my audience, the, uh, the corporate world, they think, well, why do we need to learn how to think like a magician? And uh, the way I explain it is, as things get more complex, more technologically advanced, oftentimes the uh, problems or the challenges, as I like to call them, that we're trying to solve, well, they can just seem impossible. And uh, by thinking like a magician, it gives you a whole other set of tools to help you solve those challenges in a new way with the mindset that anything is possible. And I think uh, one of the keys to creativity is having fun. And uh, that's why I uh, brought my uh, first guest here today. And I I was thinking of who I was going to do for a first guest on the podcast. And Bill Murray had a prior commitment. Sorry, John. (laughs) So uh, we've got him here. And uh, let's say hello to John Pullum. Well, hello, Michael, and thank you for inviting me to your first podcast. How exciting. Yeah, it is great. Thanks for being here. And John is a uh, mentalist. He uh, does mind reading, and he's a uh, speaker. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you do, John. I've been in the business for over 25 years since I had a full head of hair. Now being totally bald, maybe it's the stress that caused it. I was 16 years old. I started out doing a lot of you know family parties and kids shows and just like many entertainers as the economy changed as society changed i also veered into corporate speaking more it's the entertainment with the message and hosted a couple of dozen shows for the discovery channel including the series more than human which is now on hulu so you can check it out there and uh 
just been having fun motivating people and entertaining people along the way. That's great. And uh, this is a podcast. One of the things I want to talk about during the podcast, I'm going to do this every episode, is uh, since you're in the entertainment world, is relate a story from magic, something that magicians contributed to general, uh, the general public and society as a whole. And when doing research for this podcast and about magic, I found out that it was actually a, a magician, Robert Stull, whose name you're familiar with. Uh, he was the one who coined the term broadcasting. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. He did. And uh, uh, it's amazing. Going back to 1907, he was one of the very first, if not the first. He uh, he claims he was the first. And I looked it up. There's a couple other people that also do that. But back in 1907, who knew? You know, who was keeping track of that? But he was the, uh, what he said was the first disc jockey. He was the first person to alternate playing records on the air and uh, talking in between them. So they took the broadcasting from radio and then moved it into television broadcasting. Right. So he came up with that, coined yeah, the yeah, phrase. Yeah, he played them on his crystal radio and had listeners out in California. But uh, there's a lot of connections between magic and the performing arts and innovation. And uh, we've always been, been on the uh, forefront of innovation. And I thought that was cool that this is kind of my broadcasting debut. And uh, I looked it up, and broadcasting started with a magician. So That's how, great. Uh, how, how cool is that? I love the show Shark Tank. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite show. And I love it, too. it's interesting to see the background of people that were a teacher or were a whatever, and they came up with these ideas just like, you know, the broadcast guy did stall. And it's just amazing that people have all these creative juices going, and you would never guess it was a magician that came up with the oh, broadcast. Incredible. He also invented the, uh, the first automatic scoreboard for a college out in California, and then he invented a, uh, a little um, a memo device for blind people so that they could keep notes in their pockets just by tapping them on a different device in his pocket. So the guy was brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So uh, you work in the corporate world primarily, and uh, as you mentioned, you're doing more speaking. Um, tell me a little bit about your presentations. And, and I should preface all this with John has been my best friend for the last, uh, going on, 30 years? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've never argued. No. And uh, we finished each other's sentences, as we just did there, kind of. And uh, <laughs> even though. So uh, tell us a little bit more about the presentations. I've seen you do them, and uh, you do mind reading, but you also do motivational speaking. I do. And there's a quote by Benjamin Franklin that I don't have written down in front of me, but it's something about, you know, people get involved. When you involve people, they learn better. And that's what I found with my entertainment. When I was doing the mentalism show at a corporate party, I had a doctor come up to me and say, I was so motivated. I was so entertained. You really inspired me. It's amazing what you can do with your mind. And in that presentation, it was just an entertainment presentation. I wasn't there to motivate people. But I realized at that point that by adding more motivation, more things about the subconscious mind, that it would be a great takeaway for the company and those guests. And with the economy changing, a lot of people, the corporate parties now, want that takeaway. They want something more than just having their their employees laughing and having a good time. They want the takeaway of the motivation as well. So that's kind of where I've been guiding my career lately. Right. And you use a lot of humor in your presentations, which is good for people. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. A lot of humor. I involve the audience. It's 100% clean. Years ago, I went and saw Red Skelton, who I wasn't born when his TV shows were on. 
but I got to see him at the Fox Theater. And the one thing that he said is, isn't it great that you can sit here for an hour without any swearing and have a good time without any, you know, foul language? And the whole audience applauded. I want to produce my shows and have let people have fun and not have anybody feeling awkward or offended in any way. So if the kids are there, if the adult, you know, if the CEOs, great grandmas in the audience, they're all going to have a good time. And since it is throughout the whole audience, there's nothing set up. There's nothing that is prearranged. So you never know when you're going to be part of my show. Right. That that leads me to another question. You're kind of a um, – since you do mind reading and mentalism, you're kind of a modern-day Kreskin, wouldn't you say? I would say if you if people remember who Kreskin was. Yeah. I mean, you use more humor, more interactivity in, in your presentations. There's a, a quote by science, uh, science fiction writer Arthur, uh, Arthur C. Clarke. And he said that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And I think that's true. And I think that as, uh, as things get more advanced in the technology world, uh, magicians are having a harder time. You know, we've always been one step ahead of technology. We've used technology before people know about it in the mainstream. And when you're doing things, like you said, you're, you're supposedly reading people's minds. And, and let's clear all this up right now because we're probably going to get people emailing. Uh, it's all a trick, right? You're not actually communicating with the dead or doing anything like that. It's There's all There's psychological fun. things and trickery right. and everything all involved combined into one great show. And you were the body, uh, um, the body language expert for the Discovery Channel? Yes, it was History a show. Channel? Yes, it was uh, yeah. Unsolved History, the Salem Witch Trial, uh, the Salem Witch, uh, trial episode of Unsolved History. And I took a bunch of college kids out in the woods and uh, – Hypnotize them to think the place was haunted. And right. Whatever. So there, there is a lot of psychology and a lot of uh, well, body reading and, and people reading involved in it. Um, but as, as things get more advanced, as I was saying, you've got iPads, you've got Apple Watches now. People can communicate pretty much invisibly. They can do this without any visible means. So in your presentations, when you're reading someone's mind, um, has, that, has that been a challenge to you to – Convince people that you're not using technology because I know your act and I know you're not you, – it's very low tech, isn't it? Very, very low tech. Yes, I'd rather not use anything that if a battery runs out, it's going to ruin the show. I was at Office Depot or somewhere and I saw a pen that if you wrote with a pen, it would send the information back to your computer on what you wrote with that pen. It was a larger pen. didn't look like a normal you know, big pen from Office Depot or what have you. And I saw that and I was excited at one moment and then the next moment going – I have people write things down during my presentations. Are they going to think that I have these special pens throughout the audience and that's how I'm doing it? So the, quote, mind reading won't be as entertaining because of that technology. But I just use regular Office Depot brand, the cheapest pens I can find because of the fact that they're normal. I can just give them out to the people and they know there's no technology at all. Right. So. And you've actually gone, sometimes innovating is doing something that might be old, but doing it in a new way. And uh, you've actually gone back to doing things with, uh, whether it's a dry erase board or a chalkboard or a, or a printed book instead of a Kindle or an iPad, because there's absolutely no way that you can gimmick that in any way. There's no way you can add uh, trickery to a printed book or no, to, not at all. to chalk on a, a blackboard. And it seems archaic technology, but it's like... No, this is what I'm using. Everyone's familiar with this. There's nothing that can be tricked about this. Yeah, and even if I was at a situation where they had a projection board or what have you, I'd probably opt out of using it just because of that fact. They're going right. to say, oh. And when I travel, I travel alone. There's many times my wife would want to go with me to Hawaii or wherever I'm booked. 
But my wife and kids usually stay home all the time, actually. I'm sure they love that. They love that. They do. Um, But it's basically because when I'm there for the presentation, there's so many times that people are looking up in the ceilings for cameras or trying to figure out how I did it or who was feeding me the information. But since I'm all alone, there's nobody. It's just all psychological and... In misdirection. I think your best trick is convincing your wife that she can't go to Hawaii because people will think she's in on the Isn't that good? Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant. That's amazing. (laughs) And I've seen you do your presentations, and I've seen them with like a small office setting of a couple dozen people. And then I've seen you do bigger presentations in front of, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people. And aside from the projection, you know, they're projecting your image onto a screen so that people can see you. They're in Magtron. uh, But you don't even use any slides in your presentation. And, and you've told me that that's a conscious, conscious decision. It is. There's other presentations that I'm working on for future projects because I'm always changing things that I might use PowerPoint. But if the computer breaks, if the computer crashes, if the cord shorts out and you don't have those slides behind you, and if they're such an important part of your presentation and that goes blank, what are you going to do? Right. I'd rather deal with people – a lot of times, you know, I want to be the center of what they're looking at, the center of attention, not an ego thing, but I'm the presenter. So when they're looking at the TV screen, they might not even remember what the speaker looked like because the speaker is usually in the dark and then the projector's the only thing that the audience is staring at. Who was the speaker? I don't know. What did he look like? I don't know. But I liked his slides. Right. So anything – and it's expensive for the, for the clients as well. The projection, the the screen, everything adds up, especially in a convention setting. If you need a chair on stage, you think they're going to just take it up there. Oh, they're going to charge you 50 or $60 to carry the right. chair that they're going to rent for $200. And that's not a And you've tried estimate. to eliminate all of those things from your presentation everything. so you don't have to. Yeah. I carry my own well, table. And you've my done, table, everything. Goes yeah, you've me. been doing this for years like I have. So you know that you know if – if something's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong at the uh, the worst possible time. Of course. You know, when you least expect it. So if you can eliminate any of those things and, and have control over the things that you bring and your chair and your table, things are going to be smoother sailing. Definitely. And I like to – the audience is the star are the stars of the show. So it's not a proppy show. I mean, my whole presentation fits under the plane seat in front of me, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you made me think of another question here when you were talking about technology and people watching TV and how you want to be the center of attention. And I know that's not an ego thing. It's, you know, it's you're, an inter, you're an entertainer, and you're getting paid to have people watch you. Uh, do you find it more difficult now in the age of iPhones and iPads and Apple Watches and things to keep people's attention, the attention span of a person? Well, during my presentation, I'm in and out of the audience quite a bit, and there's different things where I'm tossing a paper ball around so people have to catch it. I have not had the the problem where people were looking at their iPhones or not paying attention to what I was saying. I just was, actually. Yeah, you just were. I know. I saw that. But so far, it's been okay. So far, it's been great. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure in – not too many years to come. A lot of people, you go to anything and people are looking down. Sure. You had mentioned going to a concert and the person was just standing up, taking a picture of Sting or whoever, blocking everybody, but just. 
focused yeah, we on were your in, phone. That was uh, a few years ago at the Palace in Auburn Hills. We were in the front row, and uh, this woman got up, and she Sting was playing this ballad, and he was singing his, he was playing guitar acoustically, and she walked up right in front of him. Everyone was sitting at this point. It was a quiet moment, and she held her, her, uh, her phone up right in front of him and took a picture, and then she looked at it while she was still standing there, and it wasn't to her liking, so she took another one. And even Sting looked at her and just kind of rolled his eyes, and it was just this weird moment that she went back, got her purse, and she left. You like know, he was wasn't even like there. A, you know, it was yeah. just like, you know, you're on TV. And, you know, I, I've had that happen where people walk up. You know, I used to do the auto shows for, for Chevrolet for 10 years. And people would walk up, and they'd immediately start watching through their phones. When they see a crowd of people, they immediately think it's something that they need to record. And they walk up, and they start recording it. And a lot of times I would take their phones and I would do a trick for them with their phones. And, and I would just quietly say, here, just enjoy it because I say it's like recording. It's like videotaping or, or recording fireworks. You know, you're going to miss them the first time and they're going to be horrible the second time. Yeah, definitely. You know, enjoy, that is so true. Enjoy it once uh, in the real world. Don't document everything. Just spend more time living, not documenting it. Now, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about um, – you were the host of a couple different shows, right? I was the host of the series More Than Human mm-hmm. on the Discovery Channel. And I had a guest spot on Unsolved History and a game show host for Thrill Rides Put to the Test. And then they took More Than Human and created a show, a series called uh, Cheating Death on Discovery Health, which is now Oprah's network. I didn't watch that one. I'm sorry. You didn't. I'm sorry, too. No. Um, on More Than Human, you had uh, some really cool guests in there. I remember the guy that would parallel park. At what, what speed was he going at? 90 miles an hour. 90 miles an hour. He'd he set the brake in parallel park at 90 miles an hour. Bobby Orr, incredible guy. That was incredible. One of my favorite things, we're, we're talking about innovation and, and people that figure out things and ways to do it. One of my favorite things was um, uh, the man who was blind, who, who uh, did the echolocation. Yes, that was Dan Kish, Daniel Kish, I believe, um, pretty positive was his, is his name. And he actually taught other blind people how to do it. And he would... Like, click his tongue. I can't even do it, but he would click his tongue and do echolocation like a bat. He rode a mountain bike on the side of cliffs and everything else, totally blind. But he... And, and he was using the, the, way, the sound wave of him clicking his, his tongue, and he could tell the distance of a wall or a tree yeah. or a car. He could tell when everything. it bounced off and then came back to him. He knew how far away that was. We had the crew there, and they're like, what is it? And he goes... He goes, well, there's a... There's a bush, and I think there's, there's something up here. Maybe there's a bush or a, or a fence, and there was a bush, a tree coming through a fence is what it was. So he was right, and he goes, there's something up above, and it was the, the boom mic was up above him. But he could, and he was totally, it wasn't like somebody faking it. He was totally blind. It, it's amazing. That, that's magic. I mean, that, when people ask me, you know, you've been in magic 30 years, what amazes you? It's things like that. But here's the deal. Dan Kish, I believe, was born blind. Some of the people that he was teaching had glaucoma or whatever and then lost their vision. So you have a lot of people that are blind or deaf that adapt from birth. Right. Their other senses uh, become greater because of the loss of other ones. But here's people that lost their vision later in life and still can learn it. Right. We just have to tap into that part of our brains. That, well, it's like twin phenomenon where twins can communicate with each other and figure out things. And, you know, one burns their hand and the other one knows it. You know, they, they get a pain in their hand. You wonder if we can all uh, tap into that somehow. Amazing, amazing stories like that. And I it love really that is more than human. It is yeah. more than human. And I love dealing with people. And that was one of my favorite parts of my career was hosting that and just inter- meeting interesting people and uh, 
getting paid for it, you know. Yeah. But I would have done it for free. Don't tell me. Yeah. Don't tell Discovery. <laughs> well, I, again, I'd like to thank you for uh, for stopping by here today, John. This is the uh, the first Innovates podcast, as I mentioned. I should explain the name. It's Innovates, I N N O V E I G H T S. And uh, you can check out innovates.com. The reason it is that is because I'm going to be posting podcasts on every day that ends in eight. So on the eighth, the 18th, and the 28th, innovates, and on the eighth. So it's a creative conversation on every day that ends in eight. And uh, the inspiration for that actually came from Peter Gabriel, uh, creative genius and musician. And he he does a live video that he posts uh, whenever there's a full moon. And he calls his, uh, his fans lunatics in the full moon club. And uh, he said, whenever it's a, uh, a full moon, you know, you need to check in. And, uh, and that's it sounds like there's something. a full moon right now. Yeah. <laughs> that or an issue with the kegerator. There we go. We've got Jessica in the studio here. She's doing a great Hello. job. Thank you. So are you guys. Thanks. Interesting so far. Well, Very. thank you. It's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Well, yeah, tune in. I'd like to also thank Bob and Dave from IT and the D. We're here in their studio here today. And uh, let's give you, uh, while we're here, uh, John, your website, if people want to go and check you out for uh, corporate events and things. It is Pullum.com. That's P like Peter, U-L-L-U-M.com. Pullum.com. Uh, my website is Innovates.com or BigLightBulb.com. That's my company. And uh, once again, we'll be here on the uh, 18th, the 8th, and the 28th, 8th, 18th, and 28th. So uh, make sure you uh, tune in. Uh, my name is Michael Mode. I'd like to thank John Pullum again. Thank you, Michael. It's been great. Thanks for having me as your first guest. Thank you. Stop by for some more innovation. Thanks for listening to the Innovates podcast featuring speaker and innovation expert Michael Mode. Make sure to check back on the 8th. We will post new episodes of Innovates on the 8th, 18th, and 28th of the month. The Innovates podcast is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. For more information about Michael Mode and his corporate speaking and consulting services, please visit Innovates.com. That's I-N-N-O-V-E-I-G-H-T-S.com or BigLightBulb.com. This is a previously recorded episode of